Okay, and welcome everybody to episode 80 of the RF Generation Collector Cast. I can't believe 80. We've done, I probably say that like every time we do this show. I probably say that part too. But anyway, yes, lots of episodes that we've done. And we're here to do another one. And we've got everybody together, which we're really happy to do. So um, we'll just kick it off like we normally do. But before that, uh, I wanted to say, as always, big thanks to our patrons. So uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, you can. It's patreon.com slash collector cast toss a buck in uh our our uh, patrons are awesome we were just on some discord chat a minute ago and wimster over there was uh sharing his his little project right bill yep a, a man after all of our hearts uh <laughs> so uh, uh obviously i've been into lego you know since uh, uh, the lockdown started fun little hobby and there's a uh, lego nes that we've uh, spoken about before so uh Webster said he's finally getting back to the, uh back to building this after nine months <laughs> since uh, owning it which i did not realize is a fairly common thing once you start getting into lego because space becomes an issue uh people who have lots of lego sets don't have infinite space to display them so I'll, i'm actually finding that a lot of people just have like the way we have like a, a pile of shame of games, people have like a backlog or a pile of shame of sets. And I'm like, that's so weird. But like they'll, they'll disassemble a set. They'll bag it back up so they can put it together later. And then they'll take something from the pile and build that. And I'm like, Oh, that's actually kind of cool. So you have like a little, little stock. So yeah, Wempster's got the, uh, the NES build, which I was talking to Chris about this before the, uh, uh, we, we started recording. It's a really fun little build. Um, it doesn't take too terribly long. Um, I, there's, there's a little surprise that's built into the side of it, um, that we may or may not have spoken about on the show before, uh, but it's a, it's a real fun little surprise on the, on the side there. And, um, I really love the, uh, the mechanism where they were able to figure out how to like get the, the cartridge to push down and it stays and then you push it again and it comes back up. And it's uh, it's so clever once you get in there and you're building it and you're like, what the hell are they have me doing here? And then once it's all done, you realize, oh, they did it. <laughs> they figured it out. So. so speaking of both Lego NES and our patrons, I went over to hang out with Engineer Mike the other day and he's got one. And he's got the little Mario that you can put on top of the TV to activate sound effects. So I got to see it all in action finally. He, he did the it, crank it, and had Mario run through the level. It's, the sounds. So, so 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 cool. So Wemster said uh, uh, the TV is next on the list. So he, he's done the system and not the TV yet. But the TV is so cool. It's got the as as you said like the little crank. So it's almost like an animation that like it kind of like spins around and you see the scene. But what's really cool is on the on the top center of the TV, there's this uh, plate that you can remove that kind of reveals. Um, uh, on the top of like the spinning part of the level, they have these little barcodes that are placed um, where certain things are like within the scene. So like one might be a brick or an enemy or a coin or something like that. So you put you know the Mario on the on top of the the, the unit, and then as you kind of go through the level. If the Mario in the level like is like jumping, you'll hear the jump sound. If it's a coin, he collects a coin. So it's it was really cool that they actually put the effort uh, into to you know add the sound effects and make that uh it really kind of come to life with that and and the luigi version uh just came out recently so now your little brother or sister can uh, join you <laughs> when you decide to play so with with the bad does it have a bad third party controller that they get to use too or it it doesn't it's still a, it's still a first party product made by lego but uh i i got to say the craftsmanship you, is you is just got to slightly... buy a mega blocks controller to plug into it <laughs> exactly <laughs> or yeah it's 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 duplo 
So, but yeah, it's uh, it was great to see some uh, some Lego chat in the uh, in the Patreon there, and uh, I of course I had to respond with my uh, Nintendo. And speaking of space, my Nintendo uh, is topped with an R two D two. So. Of course. And then you got uh, some some uh, uh, the Tie Fighter right next to it. So uh, yeah, I'm actually uh, the next big Lego set to come out is the uh, the use the Republic gunship, uh, which is coming out just next week. Um, I'm not a real big fan of the um, the Clone Wars era ship, so it's probably not one that's going to be added to my collection. But this is a uh, a fan voted set, which I think is the first time Lego did a fan vote uh, for a UCS set. And uh, Lego has come out and said that they were surprised that fans chose this one. They thought they were going to go a different direction. And I would have gone a different direction, but I guess there's more Clone Wars and oh, prequel yeah. era fans uh, because they kind of grow up on, uh, uh, like, and all the Bad younger Batch kids have grown up on right that stuff. right now, too. Like, it's getting revived at the moment. So I have a friend who's really into the prequel stuff, especially Clone Wars and Rebels. And I'm, I haven't talked to him about it, but I'm positive he is going to buy this ship. Like I, I chat with some dudes on a Lego Discord that I'm on. I had no idea what a big deal the Bad Batch was, and how people are like, "Oh, I want you know, I want Bad Batch this, and I want this minifig, and I, they've never made a good Clone Wars pilot, and this and that." And I'm like, "It's it's just kind of like outside of my personal you know like Star Wars bubble." And I'm like, "Hey, it's I'm glad you love it. That's great." Um, but uh, but yeah, it's the these the um, Republic gunship. Uh, it's a huge ship. If you haven't seen it, if you want to uh, Google it and get a picture, it's going to be $350. Comes out uh, August 1st. Um, I think they dropped the ball a little bit on the minifigs because it doesn't come with any of those like Bad Batch dudes or really any uh, Clone Wars guys. It comes with Mace Windu and I think like one random clone trooper, which is a little bit, you know, a little bit average for a set of that caliber. But uh, but yeah, the uh, uh, and then there's still a big rumor. That there's going to be an $800 Star Wars Lego set coming out later this year, like September, October, maybe November. And the rumor is that it's going to because and the reason is because the $800 Millennium Falcon that's been on shelves for about four years now is supposedly retiring this year. Uh, they were going to retire it last year, but with pandemic, they just kept it going for a while. So they want to have like another kind of like, you know, big, you know, big, big, uh, you know, Lego Star Wars set. The rumor is that it's going to be an AT-AT. Uh, so we don't know yet. Nothing's official, but uh, but yeah, definitely exciting. A lot of stuff going on in the uh, Lego world, and glad to see new builders uh, popping in anytime they want. Well, speaking of Discord chat, which again everybody can hop into, we talk about all sorts of fun stuff. So um, you know, we we like to start the segment with stuff new that's going on. But I'm going to start with Bill first because something brought up in the Discord was was the interest in getting a tattoo. So I mm. so Bill. Um, when when are you gonna get the thirty two X tattoo? I, like, I just want the logo. He's just gonna get a web with fire on it across his chest. <laughs> you know, you joke, but I really don't think a thirty two X tattoo is outside the realm of reality. Do the box art <laughs> from Calibri across your back. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's been you know I, I told the guys a little bit of this off air, but basically I've I've always you know had interest in tattoos, but just kind of like never had the guts to pull the trigger. And um, it was a little bit of it was like, I don't really don't think my dad cares one way or the other, but I, I knew that my mom didn't approve. So for years, I, I almost used that as kind of an excuse like, oh, well, I can't get one. My mom you know wouldn't like it. 
So I, I've said this recently to my wife. My wife told my mom, and my mom was like, you're you're 40 years old. Like, do whatever you want. Like, <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to wait for me to, you know, for me not to be around to get a tattoo. So I've just been thinking about it a lot lately. And at, and since it's kind of like the mode of my brain, I'll see something, you know, some piece of art that I like or some scenes from a movie that I really like. And I'll just kind of think about it in that context. Like, oh, could that work? Or could that work blended with this or mixed with this? So... So yeah, I've got this little like Google Drive uh, uh, document with uh, with ideas, and if I see like a piece of artwork I like, I just kind of snip a copy of it and like throw it in a folder. So my my rule of thumb has always been when, once I think like this is what I want, I like mark the date, and then one year from that day, if I still think it's a good idea, then uh, does it go? Yeah, that's, that's that's a pretty good rule. And another thing that's always kind of held me back is, you know, since I was able to hold off like in like the high school college days, I think about, you know, like in high school college, like what would I have gotten? <laughs> I definitely would have gotten Metallica, something Metallica. I was really big into Metallica for a long time. And here I am, you know, at 39, I still like Metallica, you know, as, you know, probably as much as I did then. But at the same time, like I look in the mirror and I wonder, uh, you know, like maybe Metallica wouldn't have been the best for me, you know? So I, I really try to, to think about, you know, what, uh, what's, what's really gonna, you know, you, make sense you, for me long-term. There's no way you would have regretted a ride the lightning tramp stamp. Probably not. <laughs> and, and part yeah. of me too, like I, I, I don't know what the rules are. I don't know like what the possibilities are. Like I've tried to find like an app to see if you could like almost like a filter oh. so you could like you know kind of like put it on just to see cool what it would idea. look like yeah. um i also tried to see if um because i know they do they do temporary stuff where like you know uh, artists can draw things on you that'll stay on there for you know days or weeks and eventually wash off so i haven't like gone to uh, the tattoo artist that i'm thinking about using and saying hey what are you know what are some of the uh, things that you do to kind of preview what something might look like for you know longer than just a few minutes uh, you know before it washes off so so yeah, I've I've started the thought process and uh, looking forward to uh, continuing that. All right, well I'm excited to see what kind of tattoo you end up with, Bill. Uh, I you know I'm hoping maybe we'll see a, a Sega CD loading screen or something on your back here at some point in time. You, but give, but it, give, you give me good ideas here or like a little <laughs> uh, uh, little what do you call it? Um, maybe just like the the loading uh, light. Just like the flickering light. <laughs> yeah, like the green and the red. Yep. <laughs> just those things. Well, that's cool. Um, and so I'm just going to spin it right over to you. So what else is going on in Bill's life right now? Yeah, sure. So uh, for what's new with me, um, video game-wise, I've been playing Mass Effect 3. Um, I had a little bit of a, a break there where I had uh, a house guest. Um, we had my, my mother-in-law visiting. So uh, I didn't really play anything while she was here. And then when she was gone, we kind of spent a few days kind of, you know, cleaning up and tidy and stuff like that. So had a little bit of a break, but I'm into Mass Effect 3. I'm playing it every night. I'm enjoying it. So we are going to be talking about that in the near future. Uh, Skyward Sword showed up. Uh, which was uh, I got a, a decent deal on that for a brand new Switch game to get it for ten bucks off. I was happy with that deal. Um, it was uh, uh, just on Slick Deals. Um, it's this web. I don't know if anyone's familiar with the website Daily Steals, but it's exactly what it sounds like. It's like one deal a day with you know maybe some bonus stuff. So, and I've gotten some emails from them uh, since that deal that I'm like, ooh, that's I'm not in the market for that, but that's a pretty good deal. So glad I found them. And also, I was wondering, since it was through this, you know, Daily Steel site, it was like, you know, when is it going to show up? Is it going to be launch day a week later? Uh, it showed up at my house the day after uh, uh, launch, which I'm fine with. Showed up That's on Saturday. Good. Yeah, pretty good. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we did start that. Um, I had the boys uh, start it. 
which um, very different from Breath of the Wild that just starts and you're just playing the game and figuring stuff out. There, there's a lot of reading at the beginning of this game, a lot of exposition, and the and the boys are just like, and I'm sitting there reading it, and they're like, Daddy, you you can skip this. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to watch read anything. So um, we played for a little while because that was like what we planned to do that day, and uh, so we, we we put it on hold. That's going to be our vacation game. Uh, we're going on vacation uh, down to the Jersey Shore. Uh, we're renting a house and uh, uh, with my parents. So that's going to be awesome to go down and kind of uh, take a load off. And also in the Zelda realm, I got to give Nintendo some credit for making more than a couple of these Skyward Sword themed Joy-Cons. Because when these things were announced, the first thing I'm thinking is like, okay, that, they look pretty cool. The second thing I'm thinking is, man, I wonder if they have fixed the drift issue. The third thing I thought was, oh, there is no way I'm going to be able to get a pair of these things. So I kind of had it out of my mind. Um, very similar to, uh, you know, trying to obtain uh, a PlayStation 5 the last couple of weeks. So when the day came that they came out, like I wasn't even on my mind. And then cheap ass gamer uh, on Twitter tweeted, okay, here, here it is. Like the joy cons are available. And I think I caught it fairly early on and I was like, Ooh, Ooh, it's today. So I clicked on it and it was best buy. And the, the button was yellow. And I had like, uh, PTSD flashbacks of clicking a yellow button and then having it switch to a gray button and saying, we're making everyone go through some extra steps. And it didn't happen. It just added to cart. And it was like, when do you want it? And I was like, send it to my house. <laughs> so I was so happy that they made more than a few of them and it was not hard to get. And I was so impressed with that. I just kept refreshing that page for the rest of like periodically throughout the day. And just it ran like, you know, hours later, still available so good for you guys so they're not available now but if you were a person who was like waiting for them and like wanted to get them and you were on the ball you were able to get them that day which is awesome so those are here we have not cracked those they, they just showed up uh yesterday actually so we've not cracked those open yet um uh, i also ended up pre-ordering the steam deck which i did not plan on doing i saw the picture of it uh, first thing I thought was, you know, I don't, I don't think the controls look super comfortable. Uh, I'm not a fan of the uh, the way the joysticks are placed. I feel like the D-pad and the face buttons are kind of really close to the edge. Uh, let's wait and see. Like we'll we'll see some more details on this eventually. And really, just a few days later, um, it was the the IGN. Um, I think it was actually the day that the pre-orders went up. And like the whole world was complaining that the pre-order process was hard because that's how pre-order processes go. And um, so I was like, well, let me if everyone's excited about this, like a bunch of people I follow, so let me let me look into it. So I watched the IGN hands-on uh, YouTube video, and I realized a, a bunch of things that I didn't realize before um, was first of all the size. I kind of thought it was hefty. I thought it was smaller. And then I saw like like a human being holding it up, and I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> this thing is beefy." So that kind of made me feel better about the controls because it wasn't like your hands are kind of clawed up, almost like a Dreamcast controller, like how thin those like <laughs> outer parts are. Yeah. Um, like it looked like there had some heft to it. And when I saw the hands-on guy talking about, he had the same reservations. He was like, "Yeah, I wasn't sure," but he said once I had it in my hand, it was like, Bill, "Oh, the Bill full size." Bill only handheld like, games if he can do hammer curls with it at the same time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I do. Uh, I do. I do ISO. Uh, just, just straight straight out <laughs> for two hours at a time so uh so yeah like once i saw the guy talking about 
yeah, like the, the full size joysticks felt really comfortable, even though the button placement didn't look like it would work just because of like the way the grips work, it did work. Um, so after I kind of, uh, and then after I saw that and after I, you know, kind of, uh, got some more info on, you know, some of the storage options that it uses, uh, uh NVMe, that the higher tier option has an anti-glare screen, which is one of my which, big, which, uh, tier did you pre-order? Out of the three? I got, I got the beefy boy. Ooh. So I went, I went beefy. And uh, the reason I did that, so the low, the lowest model, the 399, if I remember correctly, is uh, like 64 gig. Yeah, um, that's and like then, a game if you're getting. Yeah, a new it's, game. If, especially if, if you're like talking half of about a new Steam. Game sometimes, yeah. Yeah, especially if you're talking Steam, uh, you know, games where like you could have like you know like 60, 70, 80 meg, uh, sorry, gig uh, games. So 64 wasn't going to cut it. Um, and then the next one up, uh, it bumped it to NVMe storage from solid state, but the, and then. It wasn't so much going to 512 storage uh, that sold me on the big guy. It partially was, but the other part of it was um, anti-glare, uh, anti-reflective screen, which has been one of my issues with the Switch for a long time, is that if you you know try to play it in an environment where you're going to have that reflection on it, it's very, very difficult. So, And then the other part of it, too, was, oh, they only want $5 to reserve one? I have $5. <laughs> you know, so, so I just did it, and I figure, you know, I have, you know, uh, I think, and I think as the pre-orders were going out, uh, like right at first, it was like, okay, like Q4 2021. By the time I did my pre-order, it was like, okay, estimated ship date, uh, Q1 2022. So it actually seemed like they were like staggering back as they, as they took more pre-orders. So when so I was like, I'm, oh, okay, I got five, six months to save, uh, you know, put some money aside for it. That makes sense. Are, are the NVMEs user replaceable? I uh, don't know yet. I don't know if we've seen a teardown. It, uh, it doesn't look like it's easily done. Like they didn't intend for you to do it, but it sounds like if you have the ability to tear it apart yourself, you can replace pieces. Right. Oh, and I just didn't know if they put like a slot cover. Or I, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah and, and the thing is the hardware is not final. So even if someone got their hands on like this thing and opened it up, like it, since it could change, like uh, typically like a site like iFixit or like sites that do teardowns that they, they wait till there's a final revision. And speaking of iFixit, I bought the iFixit uh, like repair kit. They're like standard kit, the 69.99 kit. And I got to tell you, for anyone who's on the fence on this kit, this thing is unbelievably good. Uh, like the quality of the tools, the quality uh, of the kit, um, everything in here. Um, I, I needed it for, I, I, I kind of wanted one for a while and I, I just kind of been like, you know, pushing it off, and I finally pulled the trigger on one, and oh man, this thing is unbelievable. I've opened how up Joy Cons. Uh, how many spudgers did you get? Oh, so the <laughs> so <laughs> so there's there's a lot of different types of spudgers. So like you have like these little ones that have like the the kind of like uh, sharp edge on them. You got the ones that look like guitar picks that like are like kind of three sided. You got like the the scalpel type, the gladiator type, the halberd, the metal. Like <laughs> I'm telling you, like this thing is awesome. And uh, I, I I got it before we sent the switch in for repair. Because um, I figure, okay, let me just open this thing up and see if anything is just obviously bad that I can maybe poke at. Open it up, and it's like, besides that little pink dot for water, you know, uh, um, what's the word? Um, evidence. There's nothing that I could see that was no good. And and quick flash forward on that story, we got the Switch back with a little letter from Nintendo. So I'm looking at it, and like it looks brand new. And I'm like, man. My first thought was like they really cleaned this thing up, and then I looked at the uh, the letter and it was like 
Yeah, we couldn't repair your old Switch, so we have replaced it. <laughs> and But it was the best possible scenario. They were like, we were able to transfer everything from your old Switch to the new one. So oh, it was sweet. like the the best possible outcome. New Switch with everything transferred to it for like the 100 bucks that it cost for the repair. Um, so yeah, so uh, just getting back real quick to the, the iFixer repair kit. Um, the, uh, uh, which we kind of got like mainly for the switch and like fixing joy cons. Cause I, I plan on, you know, doing some, some minor repair stuff in the future. But now that you asked that question, I mean, they, they, they talked about, um, uh, working really hard with partners, like hardware partners to get the, you know, the pricing good and stuff like that. They also talked about using, you know, pretty much, except for the Ram, which is like GDDR5, uh, a lot of the parts are kind of like. Uh, and, and the system on chip, like the the uh, the Tegra, like the graphics. I think the the hard drive. They wanted to make sure that you could just like wipe it and install Windows on it or whatever OS you wanted to. So I'd be surprised if it wasn't something that you could jump in there and throw another drive into if you wanted to, which would be amazing. So um, is it um, Linux? Is that what it is? So it runs a custom build of Steam OS out of the box, but it's it's just a computer. So they're like, if you want to wipe that and put Windows on it, go ahead. If you want to wipe that and put and put Linux on it, go ahead. Um, so they, they, they say, like, you know, we've put a lot of work into this custom version of SteamOS, and we think it works really well. So, like, we encourage you to kind of try it out like that. Um, but also, they're like, we want to, want to make it clear that this isn't, like, a game console that we have kind of, like, built Steam around. Like, it's a computer that just runs, like, a computer operating system, and you can treat it like that. So that means any powered USB-C dock you want to use will work with it. Any peripheral, any USB thing, anything that you could plug into a computer, you could plug into this guy. Do, so, um, do all Steam games work, or do you have to have, like, only, like, certain ones will work? Ever, so it's... The same as like running Steam on any computer. Like if your computer is capable of running the game, it'll run. So since this isn't like your typical, you know, like GeForce, you know, like 6000 or 8000 or, you know, like 10 series, um, I'm sure they're going to be going through, uh, uh, you know, some some testing to make sure everything's going to be working with it. I'm pretty sure that they uh, that they they've definitely showed it running Control. They showed it running Doom Eternal. So like they've done a pretty good job of showing it running stuff that's like fairly demanding. And I think the idea there is like you know if it can run this, then you know it's it's going to run the other stuff too. And then they showed it running um, Factorio, which is a game that's been on my radar for a little while, and I just kind of like never started it. But this kind of inspired me to go ahead and get it started. So I downloaded the Factorio demo and. I played that a little bit uh, on my PC in between, you know, Mass Effect uh, three sessions, and I'll talk about it more once I've played it a little bit more. But I'm really, really kind of digging it so far. Um, uh, it's supposed to be super addictive, and it's got, it's got like a little bit of a Civilization vibe, but instead of like you know building up an empire and doing all these complicated things that deal with an empire, it's it's very very simple. You are a dude who has crash landed on an alien planet. And your one objective is to build a spaceship and fly off the planet and escape it. So it's got some Minecraft elements where you get there and it's like, okay, like there's some uh, there's some coal, here's some stone, here's some uh, uh, you know copper. So you can mine those things manually, but you're an engineer, so you can also like with some of the things you're mining, you can build uh, like a, a a a drill that will automatically mine that area, but you got to put coal into it. So now you go get some coal and put that coal into it. So if you want to autom- it's a game about automation. 
So if you want to automate that coal going into there, you can build like a conveyor belt along this line of coal, build all these like drills along there and build arms that automatically take the coal that it mines and puts it on the conveyor belt. The conveyor belt brings it to, you know, so it, it gets very, very uh, like big very quickly. So it starts like very small, like you're doing these little tasks. And then like after a while, it's this like enormous sprawling, like city size factory <laughs> that you've kind of automated to do all these things. And the, you know, the end goal is kind of like going up into space. So it's, it's kind of so, cool. So does your, when you're done, does your spaceship look like a large uh, male a part of the body? <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say that it doesn't, <laughs> but it does not look as much like that as reality sometimes can uh, can look like maybe, maybe a mr bezos spaceship yeah, maybe, yeah there, i don't i don't remember if there was a cowboy hat that flies out of the the <laughs> shuttle as you as you escape uh, uh so yeah um that's uh so i got the uh, the steam deck pre-ordered a factorio gave it a try um sometimes in the morning i we just like to have you know coffee and then before the kids get up i'll just throw something on the xbox it's easier than going downstairs and getting stuck on the you know the computer for a while so I fired up Final Fantasy X because I figured, yeah, we got the remastered. Let's do that. And I think I've talked about that uh, the last show. So I made it a little bit further, and I made it to one of my favorite songs in the game, which I guess it's been so long. I thought this song was later in the game. It's called The Calm Before the Storm, which there's an amazing cover of this song by a band called On Being Human. But I thought that this song was later on in the game, like Makalania Woods uh, uh, type time frame. But it's it's in Kilika, which is just the second island you go to um, after you leave Besaid. It's the next island. So I did find myself, since the soundtrack is, is uh, rearranged and orchestrated, I did find myself just kind of like standing around, <laughs> just listening for a little bit. And eventually the kids came in and they were like, Daddy, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm, just, I'm listening. I'm, I'm enjoying the music. So that was fun. And then I don't know if you guys ever get this in streaming apps, but you know how you can look around so long for something and you're like, all right, well, we spent 35 minutes deciding what to watch and then we ended up not watching anything. So it was like a waste of time. I get the same thing sometimes with like, all right, let me just play something real quick. And you go through like your library and it's like, all right, I have no idea. So I'm trying this new thing where like I, I just play something like don't think about it. Just launch it. If like your brain is like has has a good thought. Right. So I'm kind of going through some of the games in the library and I see Skyrim and it just triggered an emotion in me. And I was like, launch that game. <laughs> so I ended up playing Skyrim for just like, you know, 30 minutes, just nice, short little session enough to like, you know, discover a new location. And this is a, a, a new game that I started after the, you know, the remaster or the whatever they call the, the newest, the special edition re 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 up edition on the on the Xbox and so it's fairly early in the game, but I found a location. I went through a cave, looted it, looked at the map. It said cleared. I was like, all right, that's good enough for me. Saved it, turned it off. Um, and it's, it's, I still love that, that little gameplay loop. So, um, nice. I was yeah. just reading about Elder Scrolls Arena this morning. Yes. Yeah. yeah good. Yeah, that's right. Cause you're, I, I can't wait to dig into, I want to thank you for sharing that, uh, CRPG book. I'm very oh, much yeah. looking forward to digging into, some old CRPG uh, stuff, uh, so possibly when we're cool. on vacation. Yeah, I'm learning about, like, I'm making a list of all these games that I've, like, some of them I've never heard of or some of them I've just forgotten about that just sounds mm. so cool. That is that is kind of the best when, like, you like you just see a cover or, like, hear a name and you're like, oh, man, I remember seeing that, you know, and it's it's when you find someone who, uh, who can tell you about it, that's, that's good stuff. So definitely looking forward. 
Um, so that's probably it for the games for me. And just real quick on some of the TV and movie stuff. Um, I think we, I mentioned Ted Lasso previously, um, which is a great show. We finished season one, uh, so we're getting ready to start season two, but we are going to finish Loki first. Um, that's probably going to be finished by tomorrow. And then I don't know if there's any plans for a Loki cast or if that's appropriate or not, but we'll, we'll definitely chat about that in the Discord for sure. Um, and then just last night, um, we just we just didn't feel like watching a show, and uh, uh, so my wife and I decided to watch a movie. And it was very much the same thing. We kind of like were browsing movies, and I saw something that I hadn't seen in a long time. And I looked at her and said, have you ever seen this? And she said, no. And I just started it, and that was it. Uh, and that was the David Fincher film, The Game. Have either one of you seen this movie? Is that a Michael Douglas movie? It is. I have seen that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great yep. movie. So I had not seen it in a long time. I remembered really liking it, and I, I remember the st- the general story. So I was kind of curious if they could, you know, kind of get me, like knowing that I kind of like had been through the experience before. And it was still it was still worth going through because there's there's it's been so long. There were things that I kind of you know like uh, forgot about and uh, little, little details, things like that. So uh, definitely glad to go through it again. Um, and if you're a fan of David Fincher or uh, especially early David Fincher, this is the first film he directed after directing Seven it's kind of got like a similar uh, feel to it. Not nearly as, as violent or as like a darker subject matter, but just kind of like a, a, a similar feel uh, to the film. Um, and if, since, since we have, you know, time and since I thought it'd be a fun uh, story to tell, I'd like to tell you guys a quick story about how much my mom loves me. If that's all she right. She obviously uh, loves you enough to let you get a tattoo, but go ahead. Of course. Yeah. So there's number one. So like now let, let's even, even beyond that. So my mom recently went to a uh, family, uh, uh, not like reunion, but just a handful of family members were going up to Maine where uh, her dad used to live and just kind of like going to some of the old spots, you know, the the house he lived in, places he worked, people he knew type stuff. So kind of like a two or three day tour kind of for her dad. And um, she doesn't really see her family a whole lot. So when her cousins asked her to go up and do this, um, she was like, you know, I, I, I really should do this. So she went, which her cousins were thrilled to have her. I remember her telling me, like, oh, I'm going to Maine. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Whereabouts in Maine? And she said, oh, Portland. And I was like, oh, if you're going to be in Portland. And she, she like, knew what I was going to She was like, I am not picking up beer for you <laughs> in Portland. Because being a craft beer guy, I like to, you know, sample things that are from other areas. And there's, there's good stuff all over, especially in the Northeast. So Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire has awesome, awesome stuff that you can't get down here. So I kind of I, I laughed and I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm just I'm just joking, kind of. So um, so anyway, so a few days a few days go by and she's up in Maine and she uh, she texts me and she's like, hey, like tell me the name of that place you like wanted me to go to, no promises. And I said, no, don't worry about it. You know, you're up there, it's a family thing. Like have fun, don't worry. And that was the end of it. So a few days later, um, she's they're on their way home. She's like, hey, like we're just gonna stop by real quick. We're like uh, on our way home. And she walks in the in the house and in the kitchen, and she's holding the exact beer from the brewery that I was going to tell her to go to. And I was like, "How did you do this?" So I thought that she like used the skills that I've been trying to cultivate in her all this time, <laughs> like Googled it, looked for craft beer, Portland. What are some of the good things, right? And I'm like, "I'm so proud of you. I'm I'm very happy. This is so great." I was like, "How'd you do this?" And she said, "Oh, I asked Sarah." 
since <laughs> <laughs> she told me so uh but yeah it was just a very cool sweet moment that she took the time uh, being up there with uh, you know for a family event and said hey do you guys mind if i go and get some craft beer for my <laughs> for my kid back in connecticut so thank you very much mom i appreciate it that's very sweet thanks mrs mcgee <laughs> <laughs> and here we go cracking it now very cool all yeah. right, well, so that's uh, me. And I'm sorry if I went a little bit long, but something yeah, tells right. me that that might be the most I have to contribute for a little while. <laughs> oh, <laughs> now. I bet you'll. But I'm happy. I'm happy to, to learn. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, we'll go from man who's thinking of tattoos to man that has tattoos. So, Kelsey, uh, <laughs> what's going with on? transition. Very, um, very nice. So just really quickly, because last time I talked about my really terrible experience going to see Black Widow. So mm. I, I really didn't want to go back to my theater, but I was like, I can't break my Marvel streak. Like, I really do want to see this theater. So I asked my son. I was like, if he says he wants to go, I will go with him. If he says no, that's it. I'll leave it. And he said, yeah, heck yeah. So I was like, cool. Bought us some tickets to Black Widow. And we went and saw Black Widow. And I love it. It was great. Uh, a lot like darker than most marvel movies because they're they're usually pretty fun and silly but you know there's pretty heavy subject matter throughout of it uh just with uh how, how they bring up the black widows they, they really get into that and how it kind of leaves a scar on them permanently after that uh but beyond that it was really great and uh what's his name david harbour as red guardian did did bring a little bit of fun moments to it he, he had some uh had a few good jokes in there um, but gaming wise, uh, I've been really struggling on Miracle Piano lately. Uh, <laughs> I feel uh, bad on Twitter. It's it's. Uh, I want to just reach out and say you can do it. Well, are you, are uh, you at the Beethoven section or something? Uh, or what's going on? Packle Bell, I think, is the composer's name. I was learning Canon in D. Did you Did you say Packard Bell? Pack L <laughs> Bell is how it's spelled. I'm sure it's pronounced differently. Um, but it, like most of these lessons, like especially the first bunch, you know, whatever, I can knock out three or four in a day. And then it got to the point where it was like I can knock out two at a time. Then I got to the point where one at a day was was good and I was feeling happy about that. And then I just hit lesson 23 and it was like six days to like finish it because <laughs> I hate how they make me practice in it. I can't just practice the part I'm struggling with. I have to do the whole thing from start to finish. And it's just it's kind of a pain. So I actually started, I, I learned enough of the notes that I could just not play on the Miracle Piano and go up to my actual piano and practice <laughs> because it's more comfortable. Uh, so I did that on and off between the two, um, which sucks because my original intent was I'm doing my regular piano practice and the Miracle Piano I was hoping would just be a nice supplement, teach me something mm. new every now and then or just you know get me on the piano again. But it's kind of seeded its way into my regular piano practice now which is making it not as fun so i'm really eager to get through this game now so i can just get back to practicing how i enjoy practicing but i've got 13 more lessons to go after after being stuck on that one i did finish it uh but i'm taking a few days off to <laughs> recuperate mentally before i jump back into it uh so and, i I've, sorry, and i th think it's just a I mean, I've got the keyboard in me, but it's just like a MIDI keyboard, right? I, I wonder oh, if you yeah. just plug any MIDI, MIDI keyboard in and, and do the thing. Uh, 
Yeah, as long as it's got the same attachment, because it's got the, uh, you need the NES to the MIDI cord. I imagine that would work with most things as long as it has a playback option, because it does, uh, when you play certain parts, it'll play like the orchestral part while you play along with the piano part. So yeah, as long as the piano has like its own playback, I think you could probably do that. Maybe you need to get some high, super high-tech uh, MIDI piano or something for the last yeah. lesson. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll make it through. Uh, I've been tinkering a little bit on Wild Bill Elliott's NASCAR Challenge. And man, that game is like like hardcore sim for, for an NES game. Like you've got really? to... It's all in the cockpit. And you've got to like... You don't just pick like some other games like to let you do... Uh, your spoiler or your fin and your tires, but it's usually like 20, 50, 70. That's your fin. Which one do you want? But this one's like, no, you can go 21, 22, 23, 24, oh, wow. 25. And they all affect your car differently. And then same with your gears, uh, how fast they shift, which affects how fast you accelerate versus your top speed. And wow. then your tires aren't just like hard and soft. It's like you're picking like the density in this huge range in between them. Wow. So you've got to figure out when I'm doing an oval, what kind of tires and fin and gear do I need? And when I'm doing an (laughs) off-road course, I need totally different setup because I'm not looking for top speed. I'm looking for acceleration because there's a lot more sharp turns and stopping and starting. That's crazy. I I didn't know it was like that. I haven't thought about like tire setup in a game since probably Gran Turismo when I was setting, like like you said, like if there's lots of long straightaways, I would do my gear ratio a certain way or like, you know, different tires and stuff. Was this game on PC as well? Because it almost sounds like uh, something you'd find more on PC. I think most of the uh, racing games were ported from PC originally onto NES like a year later. So I I don't know for sure, but it really feels like it was built for the pc um so i figured out the ovals and i've I've got those down but it's one of those games too where bill elliott wins every single race first place so you cannot you know get seconds and thirds like almost ever like you have to nail this game uh so i'm really struggling with the not oval courses on it (laughs) But there's only four courses, and then you repeat them four more times. So I feel like if I can figure out one of the two off-road ones, uh, I should be good because I can get first in the ovals every time now. Um, so, you know, if I get a second or third in, in the other off-road one, I can recover. Man, yeah, it's really tough. Really. Or, or, or you could just get lucky and just get blue shells. And then <laughs> I'm just I need the lightning bolt. um so i'm plugging away at that uh my daughter and my son and i all sat down and we finished mario 3d world together congratulations Uh, yeah it was uh the last few stages you know getting a little tough for my five-year-old daughter so we recruited my uh, 13 year old son to come and be a third man and we made it through the final stage which was really fun we were we were both very excited to see how she would react to the cat bowser at the end too and she loved it It was great are you guys going to uh get all the stars and unlock like the the final level stuff it feels like she's done with it um the second we finished she's been talking a lot about mario odyssey because she's watched some youtube videos and so i didn't tell her that i own that because i wanted to finish 3d world with her so we finished 3D World, and then the next day, she's like, she's like, do you want to play Mario Kart or Luigi's Mansion? I said, well, I got a surprise, and I showed her that we own it, and she got so excited. She's like, I need to be a T-Rex right now. 
And so <laughs> I was like, do you want to start a new game and we'll go through it? She's like, no, where's your old one with everything? And so I just let her boot up my old file. that has got everything, all the costumes and stuff unlocked. And she just dresses up Mario and takes over T-Rexes and loves it. That's so amazing. Much fun. Tell her to enjoy Super Mario Odyssey while she has it. <laughs> um beyond that uh I f- the last time i think i said like i'm saved right before the last boss on persona q2 i i feel like an idiot like that's something someone who's never played a jrpg would say because i forgot that i had to attack and dethrone god and there was a whole nother dungeon so <laughs> involved in that so i had like another 10 hours left of that game Ooh. beyond where i was Thankfully, I am really enjoying that game. So it was like another 10 pleasurable hours. Of Bonus hours. There you go. Yeah. You always have to kill God. I'm an idiot. I, like, I know that in my yeah. heart, but forgot it in my mind. <laughs> I remember yeah. you saying something similar um, about, uh, um, I, uh, I want to say Persona 5. My memory is getting hazy where you were like thought it was going a certain way. And then like it just took off and like got like even more of what you like. So it's, it's always great when that happens. Yeah. They get me every time apparently. <laughs> uh, so because I wanted to get gotten again, uh, the next 3DS game I started was Shin Megami Tensei 4 on the 3DS. Yeah. So waiting for that big twist there. But I don't know if you guys know much about it. It's got a really cool aesthetic where it's all like medieval Europe kind of like you live in like a kingdom that's surrounded by all these layers. Like so you've got the the uh, castle and then you've got like the wealthy people outside that. Then you've got the commoners outside that. And then it's all fortified around there Mm. and be like everything like it's like farmer class and like you go to the market like everything's very, very medieval. But you get recruited as a samurai, and samurais have this like cyberpunk like arm that has like a AI in it that talks to you, and all the uh, demons are like digital recreations that you can see through it. So there's like this really cool cyberpunk like layer over top of this like medieval setting. It's really working for me. I, I really really enjoy it so far. Sounds cool. Yeah. Um, and then I've been really deep into Returnal this last week too. I, I picked mm. it up at my old store. Uh, they held a copy for me and man, like I, I get the appeal of the roguelike finally. Cause like <laughs> I, I've played a few, uh, and like, I, I kind of liked dead cells, but it just didn't have that like theme or aesthetic or something that like grabbed me beyond just the gameplay loop. And this is everything. Like the gameplay is super fun. I love a lot of other Housemark stuff, and it's really quick-paced and action-heavy. Uh, it looks gorgeous. It's sci-fi, which is a big bonus for me. Um, the The way they tell the story is fantastic. Because um, every time you die, every time you find something, like it, it's all part of the story, not just the gameplay. So when you die, and then you go back and you find. A corpse of yourself that's got like a audio recording next to it it pieces it together and then you start finding like your old home that you grew up in and you can go through the it's kind of like uh like a pt like first person horror kind of thing when you're in the house where there's nothing that can kill you but it's really creepy and unsettling and you're kind of learning a little bit about what's going on and then every time you die and reawaken you're you're getting these little hints about the story and by the time I finished it. Um, I like. I've, I felt like I knew the story. I'm like, that was cool. That was interesting. I loved how it came together. And then after the credits, it's like, there's more. And I'm like, 
<laughs> like, it's just like persona like i'm like yes like i i yeah. don't have to stop like there's more to uncover not just gameplay wise but story wise too uh it's it's like it's not a happy story it's a sad one but it's uh it's really neat how they're how they're divvying out little pieces of it to me that i'm, I'm really enjoying cool and like wow, when when like I know this is old news to a lot of you, especially Bill, but like when you're playing a roguelike and you get that run where like everything's falling together, you're like I got the weapon I want, like, oh look, my health's <laughs> double what it normally is, I got this cool shield, like you're just getting all the all the upgrades you want and none of the bad stuff's happening, like it feels so good. It's yeah, it's it's really it's it's really, really, really cool when everything comes together like that. And I think one of the tricky parts is uh, you want it to come together sooner than it does sometimes. And it's like, I find myself with a few of them, like, you know, like, you know, second run, third run, fourth run, fifth run. It's like, all right, like I kind of get the gameplay. It's all right. But like, you know, like, what am I doing here? So like some of them hit and like some of them just don't. And I remember Rogue Legacy hitting for me super early and everything hitting like the music, the different character traits, the way you level up, uh, which since your your person dies and it's your your legacy that's taken after you, it's the money actually that's more important because the things that you the upgrades you buy come with you. So um, it's just, but you're right. It's one of those things that like it's it's got to hit you the right way. And mm-hmm. if you're lucky enough that it hits you early on and, and you kind of you know get yeah. to kind of see it for what it is, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Everything in Returnal is like risk and reward, mm-hmm. uh, like very few things are just like this is good like they're always like this is good but there's this thing attached to it so it's really fun balancing that and and my daughter's really funny because she's watched me play it a few times and one of the things you can get is parasites and they're like like little squids that kind of climb up and like clamp onto you and like they're a permanent attachment to your body after that mm. and it's like hey like we'll we'll make your your healing items uh, work 25 percent better but you're going to take damage every time you use a key and it's like, oh, like, I want more <laughs> healing, but, you know, opening doors is kind of important too. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and you can get five of these things on you. And then after a while, it's like, okay, will I take extra fall damage here? Do I have to be careful going down? But now mm. I do, you know, I have extra shields or my gun's going to do 10% more damage or whatever it is. My mm. daughter, she pretends that she, because it's only a single player game, she pretends she's the parasites. She's like, oh, I'm helping you fight this boss. Look, all those red shots are mine. And, and she like role plays that she's a parasite. Like it's like the most disgusting thing in the whole game. And it's like her favorite yeah. part of it. I've, I've, I've had the kids. Yeah. We're like, not, not specifically that, but like, we'll try to gross them out with things. And like, they love it. Like, Oh, you got to brush your teeth. You're going to get cavities. And like what's cavities. And like, Oh, you don't even want to see. And like, I Google pictures of like rotten teeth. And, like, look at that. You don't want that. And then every night they're like, Daddy, can you show us pictures of rotten teeth again? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, funny what they latch on to, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's it for, for me. And uh, probably be a lot more Miracle Piano, Returnal, and Shin Megami mm-hmm. 4 next week, I imagine. Very cool. Very good. Well, we'll go from once tattoos... To has tattoos to can't get tattoos so i'm i'm ringing up the rear um let's let's start with tv and movies um because i've actually watched some <laughs> some cool. good some some maybe not i i did finally watch loki because i'm I kind of like what i told you guys i i'm much happier just to wait until the whole series is out sure and 
then try to I don't I'm, I don't want to do the week to week thing if I can avoid it unless it's something I just can't stand to wait for. Um, so yeah, I watched all that, and so since Bill, since you haven't seen it all, I won't go you know too deep. And obviously, if we want to do something, we do a spoiler piece. So even if our listeners haven't listened to it, I won't say anything other than it was pretty interesting. It was not what I expected it to be um, at all. So uh, yeah, it took a very different turn than what I had expected. And uh, yeah, so I'm sure at some point in time we'll get a chance to talk more about it once Bill's finished watching it. And maybe we can do a spoiler piece next time around or something of that nature. Cool. That'd be nice. Um, I don't know if I'll go back and watch the other ones like the, the you know, the first two Disney Plus series Marvel mm. stuff. Um, um, the ending of WandaVision and the ending of Loki, I think, are going to be very important to know if you plan on watching any future Marvel movies like once oh. Spider-Man and Doctor Strange come out. I think they're all going to be kind of tied in. Okay, well, then maybe I guess I will. Um but yeah, I'd, I and even like Black Widow, I think I'll just wait until it's regular Disney Plus. Yeah, Black Widow stands on its own. Like I don't think you need to. I would imagine since it's in the past, right? I mean, they so. they do a thing in the after credits that links it into what's going on now. But yeah, all of it takes place like after Avengers two, um, like after the Sokovia Accords and and uh, Falcon and and Steve and and Natasha are all on the run. It's kind of in that era. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I may have watched them, but um, I don't know. For some reason, they don't seem. Are they short too? Like six episodes? Like, uh, Wandavision is thirteen episodes, but they're oh my God. they're thirty minute episodes. They're they're like based off yeah. of sitcoms, so they're like they're quicker and punchier than yeah. than Loki is. Very yeah, quick. That's like seven hours of of. Well, I mean, even Loki was like six hours. Well, almost probably like five when you, it's yeah. all said and done. But it, it's uh, it's a lot lighter and quicker paced. Like it's it's yeah. very I, fun. Yeah, okay. I, I, I can't compare uh, Wandavision to Loki since I haven't finished Loki yet. But I will tell you, Wandavision was a big surprise for me. I was expecting just a little, you know, something to kind of like hold me over till something bigger came out, and it ended up being like one of my favorite things that I've I've watched. So I I will definitely be watching that again. Uh, that's probably the last thing I've watched that uh, are is going to relate to anybody that's even <laughs> listening to this show or to you guys, and you'll probably question my sanity. But um, it's kind of like what you talked about earlier, but like sometimes you um, just want to watch something and. Uh, and the other part is I got roped into this other one. So I guess I'll start with the one I chose to watch. Uh, that makes no sense. And that is 1979's Super Train. <laughs> so I, I don't know. You ever just get like in one of those YouTube places where it's like, hey, here's the next thing that's playing. And you're like, I don't know. All right, let's just watch it play and see what happens. And that was Super Train. So Super Train was a 1979 television series. I didn't watch the whole series. I watched, like, the intro. Like, you know how they used to do, like, those, oh, like an hour and a half special or whatever, right? And then, you know, they would do a series after that. I'm not going to watch any more Super Train. Uh, but um, the <laughs> this is how good it is. Um, the idea is, for whatever reason, they don't really explain it, the government feels like they haven't, been paying enough attention to rail travel for some so like i don't know like it's 1970s you know joe biden or something right like oh, we need more <laughs> rail travel and 
So they commission this guy that runs like this company, like, oh, no one would do this, uh, to build a like a super powerful train that would go really fast from New York to Los Angeles. You know, this was like before the bullet train was a thing or, or you know, like even before like the, the goofy monorail thing. Simpsons, <laughs> obviously, this is like really old. So like that's the whole thing. Like, well... And, and, like, it starts out, and this guy's in this board meeting, and he's, like, this old guy. He's like, yes, we're going to build. Duh, duh, duh. And all his, like, you know, these old men around, like, corporate men, yo, bankrupt the company. We're trying to do this crazy <laughs> thing. And, and he's like, well, I can count the number of, ad, of years left in my life on one hand, so I'm up for the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all. Like, like, they build a nuclear-powered train. <laughs> And it's like this giant train, and it's like, oh, we'll have like the the top of the line passenger cars, and and then like the shtick of the show is, it's kind of like a drama, like a love boaty kind of thing. Where all these people are getting on, like, oh, it's the inaugural run of the. Not Super where train. I thought you were going. I know, but I mean, it's not necessarily like love boat, like, but I mean, it's like that same kind of idea, right? Everybody gets on the thing and they have an adventure or whatever. But this one's more like, oh, there's like a murder mystery, or not even a murder mystery. It's like, okay, short version. Nobody's ever, nobody here's ever going to watch Super Train, right? Like, I'd never so heard of it until four yeah. minutes ago. <laughs> okay, let's just say something bad happens. So that way, in case anybody here really is like, dang, I want to watch this Super Train show. I'm not going to spoil it. Um, but man, it's like 70s bad and good, like all together. I don't even know how to describe it, but I don't know, man. I just, I just kept watching it. So. <laughs> It's an hour and a half of Super Train. Um, and ju- know, just, on, just on YouTube? Yeah, you can just YouTube it. Just YouTube Super Train, and you'll probably find it. I don't know. Like I said, it just came up in my feed. Is so. anybody noteworthy involved with it? Yeah, well, kind of. I mean, if you knew like people of that era that were on TV, there's like a couple of them that you may recognize. But, I mean... Not tons of heavy hitters or anything, but you know, it's like that whole thing like, oh, there's sexy women on the train, and like, oh, there's intrigue, and there's, you know, like it's a plot to it. And uh, like the, the train has a pool on it, and <laughs> I mean, it's a super train, the thing is huge, and it's crazy. Like, again, like a nuclear power train that they said, ah. Oh, it's got to be able to make the run from New York to Los Angeles in 36 hours. Like, oh, it can't be done. <laughs> it's like, I, I will do it. Um, I don't know, man. It's, it, I don't know. If, if anybody else watches Super Train, let me know. But I, I'll cut it short of that because I don't want to ruin that one human being. Ooh, it looks, looks like uh, Tony Danza appeared in one episode. <laughs> I, you know, it was what it was. Like, I don't yeah. even know how to describe it. I don't even know how you, that idea got greenlit. It's it's fun. It's weird. It's like I'm I'm interested enough to to give it a look, but not interested enough to like buy the series on Blu-ray. No, <laughs> it's free. It's free on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So uh, watch the first twenty minutes. You probably have got the idea. And if you want to stick with it because you're bored or something, or put it on the background while you're doing something else, it's fine. It's not riveting TV. It's not going to be like, oh, my mind was blown. It was just like something that couldn't exist today, right? You couldn't make a show like that. Snowpiercer. Um, it's the same show. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah, no, trust me. It's not Snowpiercer. And everything has like this crazy, like, 
70s style to it, which is, I don't know. Um, but anyway, Super Train. <laughs> and uh, speaking of things that are like questionable with what I'm doing with my time in my life, uh, I was over at my buddy John's house, and um, I was over there like the last couple weekends, but the first weekend we were over there, it was just me and a couple buddies. And we're like, well, you know, what should we do? If we got some food. And Bill's like, oh, already ordered a Super Train shirt, it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I put it in the chat. <laughs> There's oh, a merch I to, store. <laughs> I, I have to see. Like, is it the actual Super Train logo? And oh, like, yeah. It is! It's, that yeah. is the Super Train logo! <laughs> There's merch. <laughs> That's why. I, now I want a Super Train shirt. <laughs> oh, my God. What a, what a, what a conversation starter. <laughs> You would just someone, run it, run into someone in the supermarket wearing a super train shirt. <laughs> and like, you're the other guy. Yeah, that's, that's what the, you're the other you, one that wants. You just that point the finger at them. YouTube, YouTube, <laughs> super train. Um, yeah, but uh, okay. So the other question. So again, we were like, okay, we'll get some food, and then we're like, oh, do we want to go out? And we're like, nah, let's not go out. Let's just stay and just be stupid and goof off. So we go down in the basement. And he's like, "Oh man, have you guys watched any of these Andy Sedaris films?" I'm like, "No, I never even heard of the guy. What's that?" And he's like, "Oh, another one of our buddies that likes terrible movies. Like that's his shtick. It's like mm. un- ungodly horrible movies." He's like, "Oh, I t- he turned me on to these movies. We gotta watch one of them." I'm like, okay. So anyway, he found like this app on his TV that you can watch like basically like any old movie, but it like just puts commercials in it. I have found a handful of apps on my TV just being bored one day and I found yeah. similar stuff and like stuff I've never yeah. heard of. And yeah, so keep going. But yeah, it's funny how you can find like weird old stuff on those apps. So apparently this guy made a bunch of movies from like the late 80s to like the mid 90s and they're just like B-movie trash, but like to the point where they're funny B-movie trash. So we watched this movie called Hard Ticket to Hawaii. And I don't know, I sent you guys a clip of, like, this is classic B-movie. Like, there's some Playboy playmates that are the stars that can't act at all, but have to be topless in a lot of scenes because, of course, it's a B-movie and that's what Mm -hmm. they hired them for. But they're the main characters and they can't act at all. And, like, the other guys are, like, the main, are, are basically, like, soap opera guys like that level of acting and the story makes i mean just no sense at all like they start off like the girls are like a part of some secret task force or something on the island of hawaii but they also like fly helicopters i I don't get it and so there's like a snake that comes in and it's like this like super toxic snake that gets mixed up with another snake that they put on the plane and of course it gets loose whoa 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 there's snakes on a plane i know right have you had it have you had it (laughs) with the snakes on this plane (laughs) mother effing but uh yeah and but this that's so weird like they spend so much build-up in the video like the movie of like this weird horrible like it's you could just tell it's like a guy with a rubber thing on his hand yep. <laughs> but they spend so much build up on this and then like it do you just like don't hear about the snake again until like yeah. the end of the movie. <laughs> and then there's like this bad guy plot that makes again like drug smuggling bad yeah. guy plot that makes no sense 
and a guy is like shooting a rocket launcher at a skateboarder at one point and the skateboarder's trying to kill them with like he has like a sex blow-up doll and an ak-47 or something on a skateboard and it almost it almost sounds like you're watching wielding combo yeah it almost sounds like like mystery science theater but without the voiceover (laughs) yeah i mean that was chris's job that night yeah that's what you guys were doing it was one of those movies again it's like just ridiculously bad but funny because Mm -hmm. it's so ridiculously bad and so yeah we had to watch hard ticket to hawaii so again it's probably out there you can watch it for next to nothing if you want just ridiculously stupid so but you get a bunch of guys together what are you gonna watch like something that's just totally mind-numbingly stupid so anyway um had a pretty good laugh at that one i don't know if i would ever recommend that to anybody but there you (laughs) go uh it was something to watch uh you just kind of forget like how bad like there was this whole industry in the 80s that was just devoted to making terrible movies well yeah and it was and it's like because it's almost like to equate it to video games a little bit like the Wii had so much shovelware on it and it was like it doesn't matter if the game's not great if we sell like 20 or 30,000 of them like that's all we got to do you know like or whatever like their goal was so like some of these movies are like their goal isn't to be like the summer blockbuster that makes a billion dollars they're like we're gonna make this thing for 48 bucks like let's just like make something back right and like it it became this like culture around seeing these like weird underground movies like they would have them at movie houses that would get these like uh um uh, like you know they weren't called cult movies at the time but like like the alamo draft house and like some of these theaters that are like they they look for like these like weird offbeat you know kind of underground type things and people people go nuts for them sometimes so apparently i guess whoever this director is made a bunch and it was is known for <laughs> schlocky terrible you know b-movie flicks and uh i don't yeah i have to guess that's probably what it was it was like he probably did it with just enough budget to probably like cover him going to Hawaii with Playboy bunnies and shooting a movie, right? I mean, that's, that's probably all he cared about. It's like, can I just get away yeah. with doing this? This this might like I, I don't know if I'll join you on the super train, but <laughs> but this might okay. be a rabbit hole that I go down. And you know what's kind of uh, pushing me that direction? Some of the posters for some oh, yeah. of these uh, Andy Sedaris movies. Uh, they're they're definitely. Uh, next level <laughs> it's, it's it's yeah i mean like there's a movie just called guns uh, I mean, <laughs> and of there, course they all have like these same two or three playboy playmates in yeah them. i mean there, there's malibu express with like the male lead with like the two bikini girls <laughs> yeah. on them there's and one that's the just there's girls. one that's just called stacy exclamation mark <laughs> <laughs> like like these playboy i mean like this is the quality of writing they'd be like uh Oh, you know, oh, that was so hard. Oh, well, we need to go in here and take a break. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, well, I do my best thinking in the hot tub. And then, of course, like, exactly, yeah. was in the hot tub trying to solve a crime. <laughs> You're just like, <laughs> dude, he, what am I he was making movies. He was making movies into the late 90s. Oh, wow. I mean, so he's got one in 98 called Lethal Ladies Return to Savage Beach. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Real quick. A stolen computer floppy disk filled with information about the location of a mythical treasure in Savage Island will lure both villains and lethal agents in a dangerous treasure hunt to Savage Beach. This, I mean, this sounds like something I could get behind. And it's almost like you talk about like Street Fighter as a movie that's like, you know, not great, 
but like you watch it, you know, but like, yeah. I don't know if it, it it's, it, there's, I don't know where it goes from. Somewhere yeah. Some of these, if I had to I, guess. Yeah, I don't know how like how you define like awesomely bad, but like I know it when I see it. I'm like, let's <laughs> yes. just let's just watch that train wreck again. <laughs> That's what these are, and like I said, it's just the, I I don't know. I don't know how to describe. Like I said, like the guy, like this one guy, again, like the clip I sent you, shoots a just has a rocket launcher in the back of his jeep. And like one minute he's shooting rockets and they like explode and blow everything apart. And then like another scene in the movie, he shoots a rocket at a guy and it just knocks him over. (laughs) What? But, oh man, you gotta look up the, the, or maybe I don't want to spoil it for you. Look up shades, this guy that goes, he's, he's one of the big bad guys, but he goes to the beach every day to play Frisbee with this one girl (laughs) with AK 47 around his and the shades. That's why they call him shades. Mm. And so they're like, Oh, how, Oh, so they, they go to play Frisbee with him, but they make a Frisbee like with razor blades on. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, Oh my God. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, Hard to take to why Andy Sedaris. I don't know if I'll I'll probably get roped back into watching one of these things at some point in time, or maybe Bill will, will report back after the next episode. Let you know yeah, how Gummies I mean, is. It, it they they look it looks like good, just good fun, if nothing else. So I I think I might get roped into one of these. We'll see. Yeah, don't let your kids watch it, but it's a great schlock, that's for sure. Um, just let it, your it, kids funny, watch my, the like, razor blade frisbee scene before bed, though. That would be funny because it's that one that bad. It's good. Or like the scene I just gave you. That's kid appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> you can let a kid watch that. So I don't, I don't know if you guys kids do this, but like we'll put our kids to bed. We'll be watching TV and they'll come out after a little while and they'll just want to sit down and watch TV. And we're like, guys, like this, this really isn't appropriate for you. Yeah. And we said, like, it'll give you nightmares. We really don't want you to be like afraid. And like, they'll go back to bed. So now whenever they like walk up to, to like anyone watching TV, like anytime, they're like, dad, is this appropriate? for us so it's it's just good that they're you know have that filter like wait like there's certain things i should watch and certain things i shouldn't and and my my oldest who was like say daddy i was watching something the other day and i don't think it was appropriate for kids so i stopped watching it i was like what was it he was like well there was a boy and a girl and they were running on the beach and then the girl went into the water and the boy tripped and the girl was eaten by a shark i was like oh you watched the beginning of Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> Good job making that call <laughs> to turn it off. <laughs> yeah, kids are funny, that's for sure. Yeah, they're great. Um, game-wise, uh, I played a few because I'm in that, you get in that lull, right? Like I finished Mass Effect 3, and so it's like, what do I do now? Because um, we've all agreed we're going to do Mass Effect Andromeda at some point in time. Um, but we want to wait because Bill's doing ME3 and we don't want to push him through that because we want to have a good discussion uh, when it's time. So I'm like, well, you know, what do I do in this in-between time? So I had bought a game a while back. It was only like 20 bucks. Um, but it was like, uh, it's called Mortal Shell. And it's one of these like, oh, you know, if you like kind of Dark Souls-ish kind of combat, you, you check out this game. It's, it's a really well done indie game made by a very small team. So like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll check it out. It's like 20 bucks, you know, no big deal. But I bought it a while back, and I have the new Xbox now. It's like enhanced, so I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm gonna install this enhanced. And then I I played it for a few hours, and you know how it goes? Like it just, it's like almost there. You know how you play those games, and you're like, I I see where you're going, and you almost got there for me, 
but you really missed this piece. Mm. And that was Mortal Shell for me. No, um, no. <clears throat> the, like, some of the combat was all right, um, but, like, the pacing and the world design uh, was not great. I mean, mm. it's just like, it was one of those things where it's kind of let you stumble around into things, and, like, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm fighting this super hard boss out of nowhere that I didn't know I was even going to, and I can't really get out, and I'm just going to die, and I'm going to lose all my stuff because, you know what I mean? The game didn't bother to telegraph anything to me. And it's one of those things, too. I don't know why people try to think that this was the part of Dark Souls that was appealing. It's like, oh, just make everything mysterious, right? Like, just don't tell people what anything does. I'm like, well, Dark Souls doesn't really do that. I mean, it... You have to read to figure out what it does, but I mean, it doesn't. Le- like this game, no. You, just, they, you get nothing. You want to see what this thing does? Use it. Do you hope mm. it's good? Maybe. Uh, maybe it's going to just screw you over. And you're like, I don't know if that's fun. Um, anyway, yeah, I played that for a few hours and I was like, you know, I don't think this is for me. So, anyway. Uh, that was unfortunate. And then, I saw you. I saw you mention in the Discord, and I wasn't familiar with it. And I looked it up, and the first thing that I thought was like, "This actually looks really good." It does. Like look it great. looks really pretty. Um, and and not knowing anything about the intricacies of Souls combat because I'm a, a big baby boy, um, like it it looked similar to the combat where like you, know, you got like you know big baddies and small baddies and like you know you can dodge roll yep. which i assume is a staple of you know the the combat um so yeah but not knowing you know like what kind of like make makes the games tick i was uh, interested to hear kind of you know where you uh, where you fell on that so that's that's unfortunate that it didn't really click with you probably the the thing the other piece that from software and the designers get right is world building the worlds they build are fantastic and without ever holding your hand or giving you a tutorial they guide you along pretty well. I mean, you know, there's some choice that's there, but you don't really ever figure, end up feeling like, where do I go? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Usually, if there's a bad way to go, the things will just slaughter you, and you're like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. well, I shouldn't go that way. <laughs> right. And I'll go this other way. And then, yeah. oh, okay, I get to, I can kind of figure it out. This yeah. one just doesn't. I yeah. mean... I still remember the tutorial you gave me when you were like trying to teach me the first game to try to teach me to be slightly less of a, of a baby. And uh, I would ask questions and you would, you know, like a good teacher, you would always say, okay, like, look at this and look at this and look at that. What do you th- like? The game is trying to tell you something. And I'm like, oh, there's skeletons there. People die that way. And you're like, so what do you want to do? You know, <laughs> so like you just kind of have to look at the world and listen to what it's telling you. So I, I, I do like the... Uh, that uh, that portion of my time with the game. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Super Mario Bros. That first level is designed to teach you how to play the game, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, what happens? Well, if you don't move at the beginning, the timer will run out and you'll die. So you eventually figure out, oh, I push right, and the screen <laughs> will scroll. And then uh, you'll figure out, like, if you can't figure out how to jump, the first Goomba will kill you, right? Mm-hmm. And then eventually you get to a pit. But before you get to an actual pit, they give you a fake pit with a bottom so you can figure it out, and then they give you a real pit. I mean... You, they can teach you through gameplay, and this one, I don't know. It's, it's just like, uh, good luck, buddy, basically <laughs> yeah. the way it goes. Um, so, I'm, you know, no thanks. I don't have time for it. And so I was like, okay, so what I want to play, and I was still enjoying that Mass Effect 3 combat. Like, I really like that gameplay. It's really good. 
And so I tried to hop on, I installed Mass Effect 3 on 360, and like, oh, I'm gonna hop on the multiplayer, and it's dead on a doornail, as you mm. can imagine. Like, nobody's playing that. <laughs> and so I thought, well, maybe people are still playing Mass Effect Andromeda multiplayer, and there is still a very small community that's still playing that game. So hopped in there, I've been playing pretty regularly. Um, you, a run will take like 15 minutes, a multiplayer run, so I, if I have time, I squeeze one or two of those in or whatever, and then I, I can be done. And uh, I've been having fun. The gameplay, again, is good. It's, it's really well done. So I'm enjoying that, and it'll get me ready for a good run once Bill's ready to hop into that. So, And then, I don't know, Bill, maybe if you get the hankering, you could play some multiplayer with me. When we get yeah. To the point. Unless you're playing on PC. I don't know if you're... Because it's on Game Pass, so... Yeah, I own it on uh, PC. Um, so if, uh, if it's on... Um... Uh, EA Play, uh, a part, portion of Game Pass, I should be able to get it running on the console, so we could definitely figure that out. Okay. Well, maybe we'll have to fool with it if you want to mess with it at some point in time, but that's kind of what I've been up to. And, um, wow, so having talked way too much about Super Train, uh, let's, <laughs> let's, I kind of wanted to bring that up because that's going to put us up into our main topic here in that, that time frame and thinking about late 70s, early 80s. What we want to get into is a little series that should be fun to get in between. We'll sprinkle them in as we go forward. Some of them may be shorter, some of them longer. But the idea is we want to go through every generation of consoles, and we're going to do this strictly on consoles. Maybe at some point we'll do PCs or something else. Um, but strictly, what was the most influential game of every console generation? Not, not the one that influenced us personally the most, not the one we loved the most, but what do we think had the biggest impact on gaming and the industry at large? And since we all can agree pretty wholeheartedly, there's not much discussion for Gen 1 because Pong is kind of the king uh, of that and wouldn't be a very fun discussion. It'd be really short. Um, but we did want to get to Gen 2. So Gen 2, the big players on the scene were the Atari 2600 or VCS, whichever one you want to call that, the Intellivision and the ColecoVision, but was also had some other smaller competitors as well. And I don't think this is going to be like the longest segment we've ever done, which is <laughs> fine, Like after, especially after the last show that we did, which was like four hours or whatever. Um, but I just wanted to take a minute and we can go around and, and just discuss what we think was the most influential game, why, uh, and then have a little back and forth about it. So um, I know this is probably, Bill was maybe a little younger around this time and didn't play as many of these. So, uh, but I bet he could still at least come up with uh, one thing he thinks is pretty influential. Um, but I want to start with, with Kelsey, because I know when I brought this up, Kelsey, you were like super on board and excited. You're like, yes, let's do this. I'm like, okay, cool. He's going to have a great idea for a gen two greatest influence game. So I'm going to throw it to you first. What do you think is the most influential game of that generation? I think it's without a doubt, has to be pitfall for the atari vcs pitfall pitfall okay and that actually ended up on in television and ColecoVision and everything it else got too. ported yeah, to a bunch of things that will be part of my my argument of why it was so okay let's hear it uh hear so everybody knows what a third party publisher is nowadays but around the time pitfall came out activision was the first third party publisher for unlike any video game console it was pretty standard before that that the console manufacturers were the ones putting out all the software 
to the point that they weren't sure they could legally do it when they did it. Like there was a lot of court challenges and, and settlements and things until they, they kind of figured out how to make it a, a successful business. Now, Pitfall wasn't the first game that they put out. It was around, I think, the 6th. It's, it's really hard to narrow down release dates from back then. You can kind of get a ballpark, but I, I think it's around somewhere between 4th and 7th, but from what I saw, it's around number 6. Uh, but not only was it successful, it was incredibly successful. The Atari was the best-selling console of, of Gen 2, and Pitfall was the second best-selling game on that console. It, it was a huge deal for Atari. And like Chris said, multi-platform game too. So not only are we talking about uh, the, like one of the first third-party games, like it hit everything because it was so big. Like you had tons of different computer ports. Uh, all the other major console competitors got it. Uh, beyond just be multi-platform, like it had merchandise outside of the game. It had its own cartoon, had board games. You can, they still make action figures based on Pitfall Harry, like today. Uh, they had like, you know, sticker books and cartoon or uh, coloring books and, and like, you name it. They, they had all this stuff beyond the game itself. Um, nowadays, especially you two Xbox gamers are probably pretty familiar with achievements, Mr. Insanity on all the Mass Effects. But it's not that hard. But. <laughs> what was the first video game achievement? Well, it was when you mailed your high scores in from your Activision games and got a patch back in the mail with uh, with a letter congratulating you for the great gaming achievement that you made. Pitfall had such an achievement, the Activision Explorers Club patch. Very cool thing. And and they, uh, let's see, David Crane uh, was saying they would get like so many letters in both for these achievements and people like just saying like we love your game or they're, they're like mapping it out that they had to hire two people full time every like five days a week just to go through their fan mail because they were getting that's so incredible much. yeah just wild um before this game too like if you think about every other successful game we're talking like you mentioned pong we've got space invaders we've got pac-man they're all single screen like you you do your one thing and you're done they're not really adventures they're not uh you're not going anywhere or doing like a big quest uh this like nowadays like all all the not all but a fair amount of the most successful and uh talked about games are like big single player adventures like you're like nowadays you get your zelda breath of the wild you got your god of wars your horizon they're still a really big deal. And this was one of the earliest examples of one being really, really successful, where you went beyond that initial screen and you had 256 different screens you could go to to try and collect all these treasures through this really cleverly designed map uh, where you had to you know, swing over alligators, jump the, the pitfalls, watch out for barrels, scorpions, uh, quicksand, all sorts of cool traps to... to get around uh in order to uh progress which was so uncommon at the time that there wasn't like a blueprint for it like david crane had to create some own like brand new programming tricks in order to make this work and fit on an atari cartridge that are pretty impressive he did a, a gdc talk on on pitfall about 10 years ago 
it's still really incredible listening to him talk about some of the cool things he had to do to make that fit on a, a 4K little cart. Uh, and Pitfall wasn't just Pitfall. Like it spawned a franchise that lasted a couple decades. Like They were still making Pitfall games well into the 2000s. Not all of them great. Like it didn't transition to 3D too well in the late 90s. But then they they kind of figured out, you know, maybe we'll make it an endless runner, which it kind of inspired that genre to begin with anyway. So it's kind of cool that like it fits into that genre well. And that's kind of how it uh, lasts today. Uh, But most importantly, and I want to stress this, this is is why Pitfall (laughs) is the most influential game of all time from Gen 2. It launched Jack Black's acting career. (laughs) <laughs> did first first television appearance yeah so that's all i have to say about uh pitfall unless you guys have any other questions or anything you want to add but uh, i think it's pretty clear in my mind like as soon as you asked this question i was like pitfall is the one so i looked at a whole bunch of other games and i'm like none of these even comes close to pitfall for me for how it influenced creators and gamers and things we still play to this day yeah so i i don't mean for it to be a boring uh conversation or without a lot of variety but before you said that i'm thinking in my head what my you know what my pick was going to be and and before we go too much further just uh to clarify for the the second generation of uh, game consoles can i just fire them off real quick so people know what we're going for so um we've got the fairchild channel f the Atari 2600 the Bally Astrocade, the Magnavox Odyssey 2, the Intellivision, the ColecoVision, the Vectrex, and then if you're counting handheld systems, which I guess we can, the Microvision, the Entex Select-A-Game and Adventure Vision, the Palmtrex Super Micro, the Epoch Game Pocket Computer, Nintendo Game & Watch. So when I looked at these uh, systems, uh, like Chris pointed out, I'm, I'm not that young, but I'm you know I wasn't playing a, a whole lot of games in this time period. The only system that we put substantial time into was the 2600. Uh, it also was, uh, uh, like Kelsey said, the best-selling, uh, the most popular um, hardware um, of, of the generation. So when I looked at 2600 stuff and I thought, okay, influential, what was was made then? that is the most you know likely to influence like going forward and I, you look at some of you know stuff like you know combat and frogger and space invaders and like some of these classics that are great games that might have that might have had influence on people to go make games but when i think about all the platformers the mario games the moving around the the traversing an environment uh pitfall was the obvious choice uh, for me even you know with my limited time uh you know with uh, the generation so for all the reasons crabby said i'm glad he brought up jack black uh also uh not glad because i couldn't bring it up uh but uh but yeah it was uh, his first uh, television appearance uh at the age of 13 and uh we would never have uh pitfall for the 32x if it hadn't been for pitfall for the 2600 so for all you collectors out there who are having trouble you know completing your completing box collection it's no spider-man it's no world series baseball but it is tough to find complete and it is tough to find with the poster so uh yeah gotta gotta hand it to uh, uh activision and like you said uh kelsey i don't think that this uh, i could be wrong i don't know if this was the first game um that did it but um certainly uh uh the word activision 
being on the screen uh, 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 on all the uh, the Atari 2600 games is an interesting story. Uh, if uh, for anyone curious to read into the the history of, uh, like you said, being the first third party publisher, and there were all these like very um, very like strict rules about like programmers not getting credit for things and like programmers like hiding their names in the game and things like that. So for Activision to like plaster the word Activision like on the screen during the game was almost like a almost like a little nudge to uh, to the uh, to the first party like hey people are gonna know this is us you know type thing. So I thought that was an interesting thing to point out as well. But yeah, like for me, influential. It's got to be Pitfall. That's interesting that both of you picked pitfall as the the same i mean i'll give it some kudos right i mean it it had an ending which was not terribly common um i also give a shout out to one of our uh he's listening to the show a friend of the show um duke who's retro nonsense um and he even did like a little youtube video series with him um beat to like his road to beating pitfall on the 2600 like him trying to do it like he he made his own maps and he would get to like oh you know and i think i've got to plot it out and he would play and he like ran out of time and he had to go back again and like no i can't go that route i have to and so he did it all himself <laughs> didn't use any guides or anything and then like record like he finally beat you know pitfall and so he said because there's only so much time and yeah. if you don't know the right. route you can't finish yeah and collect all the treasures i don't know if so, it's real time uh, or not but i think it's 20 minutes i'm not sure if that's in game or real time but yeah if you don't do it by then you're you're done. So if you guys want a fun little video series, you know, they weren't incredibly, well, he did a, a good job of them, but uh, Retro Nonsense uh, on YouTube, uh, go watch his Pitfall series. There was a couple videos he did a few years back because um, he's a big Atari fan and uh, it was kind of neat to see him as an adult going through something <laughs> from his childhood and like, I'm going to do yeah. this. Kind of like you, Kelsey. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to beat yeah. this I, That sounds really cool. I'm definitely going to check that out after because that's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, and and, and we we, sh- we should also now. definitely call out another very good friend of the show, big Atari twenty six hundred guy, uh, Rich uh, Single Banana uh, from the Playcast, who recently completed his Space Invaders amazing uh, uh, art project, oh, uh, yeah. which uh, oh was was so cool. Um, I I don't remember like over because he's been asking for controllers for so long, uh, and he made Years. this you know oh man yeah for for ages like uh, I think when uh, possibly when he was here for uh, Retro World. He ended up picking up controllers for that project and shipping them back home. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to, to get uh, Rich's opinion on the influential. I know he's uh, real, real big in the 2600 space, so be curious to see what he thinks as well. So I, I'm now I'm curious that you guys picked the, both the same thing. Any, <clears throat> I mean, before I go over to mine, any runners-up? Anything that kind of caught, like, well, maybe this was it? Any debate, or was it just both? Like, bam, nope, pitfall, I'm done. Like, like I said, like a, I was pulling up lists of other games, like Bill mentioned a couple, like Frogger uh, was another one that I considered, but like, they, it all seemed like there was a big gap from what I thought yeah. where Pitfall was to the next closest thing. Like I didn't really have a, a second place. It was like a whole bunch of fifth places. It was like the next uh, closest. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest, if, if we were talking about like my favorite game or what I think is the best game, it'd be different. But I was I was specifically thinking it from a place of like influential and my head just kept going back to platformers and how like and just because, you know, Ratchet and Clank is not like a 2D platformer, like it I, I can see the roots like going back that far, you know, to, to something like yeah. Pitfall. And where, where you look at I know I've mentioned before, but, like you know, like combat and like some of the other games like uh, like you 
there, there's a whole bunch of games that are great games that I would like prefer to play. Like if I saw a pitfall machine and like an asteroids cabinet sitting next to each other, I'm playing asteroids every time. But just thinking from that influential, uh, uh, you know, uh, space, uh, it, it was never a question for me. Yeah. Like, okay, well, uh, let me get, okay, I, I, sorry. I didn't consider anything that wasn't on the Atari though. I don't think like, mm-hmm. I like, I'm, I like the Coleco and the Intellivision, but as far as influential, I don't think either of them had the software to even put in that same category. Yeah. Okay. And, and 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 a lot of things like I would see, and I'm like, I I don't associate with, you know, like like this gen of consoles. Like you'll see like like a Pac-Man that, and it's like, well, like I think of that not as like a second gen console game or you'll see like uh, you know donkey kong or mario bros is on the atari and it's like uh, i don't see that as you know it came to this generation but i don't see it as that so like there was also yeah. like some disqualifications in there for me okay well i've got some runners up but we can talk about too in my mind cool. but i guess i can go sure. ahead and get into what i think is my pick yeah absolutely uh, so my pick for the most influential game for gen 2 has got to be space invaders Very and cool. Let me go into why I think it's Space Invaders. Number one, I don't think you can comprehend in gaming how big the arcade game Space Invaders was uh, for its time. I mean, everybody's heard about the the mythical story, which, you know, who knows how real it was. But, you know, in Japan, they ran out of a particular coin that was used <laughs> in that game because... Everybody wanted to play so much stinking Space Invaders. Um, and honestly, yeah, it was everywhere. It was such a ridiculously huge... It's probably the first, I would say, insane breakout video game hit. And yeah. why do I put that as the biggest one of this generation? And that is console-exclusive deals. And that's what Atari went and did. They went out with Taito. They signed a console-exclusive deal for Space Invaders where Space Invaders could not be on any other console. They programmed it up themselves. It's, by all stretches of the imagination, it is not the best version of Space Invaders <laughs> you're going to play. But it was the only version of Space Invaders you could play at home. And when I think these days, when we talk about consoles and why do I want it, I want this console versus that console, what always comes up? exclusives right Mm -hmm. that's what people say as well i like playstation because these these games are my fave games and they're only on playstation or well i know you're a fanboy i like xbox because you know i can play but that always boils down right people say why do you like this one first i don't i don't sound like that (laughs) (laughs) it is it is your voice Uh, he only sounds like that when he's talking about crackdown (laughs) I don't like the looks of this, Agent. (laughs) But, I mean, that's the idea that really started there. I mean, before... I mean, I guess you could say that, you know, there wasn't really interchangeable games before that, but just that idea to go like, hey, we're going to go up and completely lock up a title so nobody else can go out and and do this. And, I mean, it became pretty rapidly uh, a a thing that just got done, right? Mm -hmm. Everywhere you look. That was a big deal locking down like arcade games that were hits on home consoles back then. That was like, like before, especially before third party publishers, like that was how you sold your thing. People knew you, 
your Pac-Man and your Space Invaders in the arcade, so if you were the only place to get them, yeah, they were going to buy an Atari over at Intellivision. Yeah, and at that point in time, it was, you know, Space Invaders came out pretty early in the mm-hmm. Atari's life, so you have to think, help move a lot of consoles. There wasn't a ton of competition at the time. Competition came about later, but um, like that space genre, that space shooter genre was crazy huge because you it's still you're, the world's coming down from Star Wars, and you know you've got again like Space Invaders has been so you're crazy like right big. smack in the middle of Star Wars, yeah, yeah, and yeah because you're right between the original and that era of right about Je- uh, Empire, yeah. So space is nuts, right? Like, everybody wants a great space game. But obviously, this is, like, the the granddaddy, like, the big one. And, you know, Atari was big in arcade scenes at the time, so they already had a lot of their own properties that they could use in the console space. But, again, this was them going out to a whole other company and going, hey, look, we want your game exclusive on our system. What's it going to take to get the job done? And that was the other thing that was really weird about that era was because a lot of publishers didn't do like like you mentioned they were like donkey kong right you don't mm-hmm. think about that i mean donkey kong's obviously a big game but donkey kong came out on ColecoVision and television yeah. atari 2600 uh computers um mostly because coleco went out and got the license but for whatever reason i don't know why they didn't go make this a console exclusive this will sell consoles people will say yeah. i can't get donkey kong anywhere else right they just didn't bother to do that they just went like no we'll just sell donkey kong everywhere we'll just have the best donkey kong they were, they were banking <laughs> on smurfs and cabbage patch kids games to <laughs> lock it down but could you imagine that today i mean like i mean and you know at that point in time like 83 or whatever when ColecoVision came out donkey kong was crazy huge could you imagine like microsoft going like yeah we're gonna put halo on switch and on PlayStation, we're just going to have the best version of Halo yeah. <laughs> on our well, system. They do that to an extent with some things like Minecraft. Right, but that's not I don't that's not a system seller, right? Minecraft's not a system seller? No. Yeah. Because it, it was it was I, on I, PC I think Minecraft I think Minecraft yeah. Xbox. I, yeah, I think Minecraft is a thing that you're going to play like on any platform you have yeah. and their way to make money on it is in like the Minecraft marketplace. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of those things that uh, I don't know if anyone's buying a Microsoft console because of Minecraft, if that makes sense. We bought um, a we bought it for the Wii U specifically because it had Nintendo content in it, even though we had three other versions of that stupid game. <laughs> <laughs> right, but I'm saying that Microsoft bought it. It wasn't originally a Microsoft property, mm-hmm. or maybe it would have been, but obviously it was, you know, on PC and everything else for a long time before microsoft stepped in but i mean you know or like like we just talked about like oh you know god Demon's of war Souls or eternal or god of war yeah. and so you're like yeah we're gonna put it out everywhere right that just doesn't ha- i mean third parties yeah but mm-hmm. that just does not happen with first party publishers anymore mm-hmm. i don't understand i mean because when i when we had this conversation like i started this conversation, like the first one that was in my head was oh it's gonna be donkey kong yeah right? <laughs> That's where I jumped to. I'm like, Donkey Kong was just such a big hit. But then I thought, but everybody had Donkey Kong. It, it was everywhere. Yeah. And what did it do for the industry? I don't know. It was just another game that was everywhere. And it was a big game, but, 
yeah, it didn't really move systems. Yeah, then. it's it's legacy is more in like its spinoffs than than its actual main series. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, I think there's that idea of locking down a game to a system and being like the first ones to do it from like another another group or like oh, let me just get this thing and and have it. That's that was my my pick for that whole thing. Can I help you make your case a little bit too? Sure. <laughs> uh, I, I think you could probably make a good argument that the characters in Space Spheres are the first video game mascots we ever had, too, that were, like, recognizable outside of the game. like That alien. Yeah, yeah. like, you still see those on the back of people's vehicles or, like, fridge magnets or whatever. Like, they, they still exist and are recognizable. Um, and to tie it into something more modern, uh, it was also the first eSport the Atari 2600 version of Space Invaders was the first ever video game tournament that had like a cash prize. Um, and yeah, that was back in like 79, I think. Like it's wild. And going back to what Bill mentioned earlier with Rich and doing his Atari 2600 controller masterpiece, it's a Space Invader. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's what he made. Um, yeah, it was just yeah, a magical time and and I can't take anything away from Pitfall. I mean, I agree with you guys 100% that whole third-party idea. Um, but yeah, just moving systems and selling consoles, to me, that was that was the thing to do. Well, yeah. Like you said, it was early, though, but it did it sell as many consoles as Pitfall did? Because Pitfall sold better than Space Invaders, even though Space Invaders was on the market longer and had less competition Pitfall- when it came out. But Pitfall was on everything. It didn't sell systems. I I might argue that a little bit. And I'd say that most people, like the 2600 by that point in time, had big market penetration. Mm-hmm. And the reason it stomped its early competitors, like the, the Channel F and some of those, I'd owe it to Space yeah, Invaders because that 100%. was the console that had that game. 100%. And also, again, Atari's arcade lineup was big at the time. Yeah. But you could you imagine you're a kid in well, I don't know, what was it like seventy eight or seventy nine or whatever when that came out and you're gonna ask for a machine and for Christmas what are you gonna ask for? Yeah, Space Invaders machine. Yeah. Um, definitely. So I've got some honorable mentions here. I'm gonna throw them out. Yeah. And, and and again, if you guys think of some, let's hear them too. So uh, a big honorable mention. I don't know if you guys have ever even played this game. But on the Intelligent, there was a game called Utopia. You guys ever heard I of it? I have. I've played it multiplayer. Okay. And so Utopia is essentially like the genesis of... Like SimCity and Civilization. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, Utopia is a game where you manage either you or like the computer a couple islands on the screen... And you can plant crops, you can get soldiers to attack the other people, it's got boats, it's got weather, it's got an economy to it. It's a very simplistic game, but it essentially, if you ask me, I mean, there may have been something on computer, but in the console market, that was the genesis of real-time strategy. Yeah, yeah. And for its time, it was very complex and very huge. It still can be fun multiplayer as well. Yeah, I don't know how fun it is to play against the the old AI now, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we played that one a lot because my grandparents had in television, and we would play that one because it was very in depth. The other games you could play, and you know, you guys know those games are simple. You could be done in 
10 minutes like okay i've played enough yeah. tron deadly discs or whatever right yeah. so um, like right after my wife and i got married um my brother-in-law uh who is he's my step-brother-in-law uh he found out i'm into all sorts of games old not just new ones and so he saw when he visited that i had an intellivision hooked up to the tv and then the next time he came to visit, like six months later, he brought a stack of games. He's like, I want to play Astro Smash and Utopia and all these games with you. So that that's where I played it, like, in my adult life. That's fine. Bill, have you ever even heard of Utopia before? I had not heard of it. Uh, and to be fair, I'm, I'm much more of a turn-based uh, than real-time fan. Um, but no, I had not heard of it. I just did, like, a quick little search as you're chatting about it. And like right there like in the wiki it's you know people have argued it's the earliest ancestor of the uh real-time strategy uh genre and you know often regarded as the birth of a genre and i had not been familiar with it um i have a handful of intellivision games uh but that's just because i collect any complete in box hockey game uh that i can <laughs> find so i've never powered them up <laughs> uh I, I don't believe i've played the system to be honest but uh, yeah it looks very interesting and to know that you could fit that much depth on that little amount of you know storage uh that those games were uh, stored on is, is impressive i would say these days if for some reason you ever want to try it out obviously just emulate mm. and then you'd get the idea but knowing that you like those kind of games i could see mm. that maybe that would be something to at least give 10 minutes of time to and be like oh okay i kind of see how this oh, came yeah about. for sure and i'm sure it's in some sort of you know like emulation oh, package yeah. somewhere yeah I'd, so i'd guarantee it um so that one was one i i think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about pac-man Sure. And also, and also, Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know I'm obviously older than you guys were, but I remember when Pac-Man for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred hit, and I didn't have it, but I had, I had. There was another family, you know, that I knew that had it and got it like whatever that Christmas or whatever when it came out, and so obviously everybody's like dying, like oh my god. It's Mm. like pac-man right yeah. and i'm telling you even then like we went over to their house like the big console tv you know giant yep. brown box on the on the floor putting in uh, pac-man even then i'm kind of like oh okay <laughs> this yeah. is this is pac-man huh <laughs> even as a kid i was just not that excited about pac-man on 2600 so I missed yeah, so, the like yeah. launch, but my neighbors had an Atari with, you know, a dozen games stacked next to it, and Pac-Man was one of them. I think maybe we booted it up twice ever, and like just never returned to it. So so yeah, obviously huge in the arcade. I will play it whenever I walk by and and see it available. But just you know knowing what i what i know about the 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 console version or the the atari 2600 version in particular uh, again uh i'm just slightly younger so i i asked my grandfather uh, uh how much fun he had with his coffee um and he he said he doesn't remember 
So, uh, <laughs> but no, I feel like I've seen like documentary footage of like what a big deal it was with this game, like coming to the Atari and then people actually getting their hands on it and being like, Oh, what is this? <laughs> and it was, just, it didn't even it didn't look the same. Uh, it didn't feel the same. There's tons of examples of just like Pac-Man just going through ghosts or like not picking up power pellets and stuff like that. So like, it doesn't surprise me to hear that people have booted it up once or twice and been like, "All right, that's the end so, of this." So, Bill, when I was saying Pitfall was the second best-selling game, guess what the first best-selling game was? It wouldn't surprise me in the in the slightest. It, it was Pac-Man because. Because look at the look look at it. It's Pac-Man. Yeah. I must buy this game. Uh, it's, so that that's that's a hundred percent the name or the product selling the product and not the quality. And, and of the when product. they did that big uh, dig to like find the ET carts, they found yep. more Pac-Man carts there than they found ET carts. Like bird. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, because when you read the history, you know you, that was like Warner Brothers bought atari yeah. right and then and the warner's sister dot <laughs> yeah there you go uh and then like warner didn't get games right and they way overproduced and they i mean they got some of the ideas like they they really latched onto that let's lock down a game and have it exclusive i mean they got that but yeah a lot of the points you made about space invaders you can transfer over to pac-man as as good ideas like they had the mascot they locked down an exclusive like but yeah just the the follow-through like not that space invaders was an amazing port but it's way better than pac-man yeah yeah and i think pac i mean space Invaders is early enough right it's late 70s where it can be close enough and it's like yeah mm-hmm. all right I think Pac-Man came out in what, like eighty-two or something on twenty-six hundred. Is that late? I, I don't know. It the year, might have been eighty-one, but I want to say it's eighty-two. I feel like it just like has to be earlier to sell as much as it did because it would have only had like a year on the market. That would have been pretty insane to to hit the numbers it did in eighty-two. Yeah, I mean, it might have been eighty-one. I, I'm going off memory, pure memory right now. But um, I mean, it was just getting to that point again where there was competition, and it was good competition, right? Like, in mm-hmm. television games looked better, mm-hmm. and, and Activision we games looked better, and other third parties started showing up. A lot of them were crappy, but there's a few good ones. Yeah, and so being able to put out things of that far off, I, you know, that was the point where it's like, I don't know if this can fly. But there were so many stupid Ataris out there at that point in time that. Yeah, that's it. They could sell truckloads of these things because, again, like what did everybody ask for for that Christmas? Everybody asked for Pac-Man. They didn't know it was going to be hot garbage when they got it. Um, <laughs> but they, you know, a lot of kids got disappointed for Christmas. Yeah, it, it kind of what, what was weird yeah. when everybody attributes the the uh, crash to ET when Pac-Man had a way bigger impact on that than ET did. Tenfold. What was so, Chris? What was the uh, video game magazine scene like uh, in the the twenty six hundred days in Gen two? Was was there anything? Um, I think there was an Atari Age um, mag. It really wasn't much. There was like were were they were they like yeah I don't know if console ones. It was more like parts of articles in other magazines. 
but was it like ubiquitous like the way that like a whole bunch of nintendo fans like everybody had nintendo power and you could just no. say oh you get the new nintendo no. power and everyone had it so it was more kind of sporadic yeah you what you normally had was like every no i wouldn't say every most atari games like atari not third party and even those two, though, they would have a, a catalog inside each game. And you'll find these now like crazy. Yeah. You'll see like the Atari 1982 catalog or the 1983 catalog. They're a little booklet. And so you would, when you got a game, you'd have like a catalog. Here's all the games that you can go and buy. And that's how, or like the Sears wish book or whatever, <laughs> yeah. right? That's how gotcha. you found out about things. Yeah. Well, I, I, was, I was, yeah, I was, I was more wondering, like, because you know how, like, if when the reviews for a game come out, and then you see, like, and it's always like a, a bad sign if, like, the review embargo is like the day a game comes out, or like, you know, even worse after it comes out. So, like, I'm just wondering, was there a source for reviews, like, you know, uh, back then, or not really? No, I just, mean, just again, word of mouth, right? Well, then not even, I mean, eventually after it came out, yeah. it was word of mouth, but being before that, no, I mean, nobody would get yeah, to see it. Yeah, they didn't have the same it. mechanism set up where they, like, had marketing people they could send it to and and uh, reviewers. Like, when you look back at that era at reviews, it's usually, like, a dude in a newspaper column, like, wrote something a month after it came out. Yeah. Or, like, uh, somebody would write an article for playboy right like oh here's yeah game or show up in like a computer like ces kind of yeah. kind of book yeah yeah i mean i think there was i want to say there was like an elect i think electronic games was around early somewhere around there as a magazine but again it was like what we were just saying like it covered everything right you know you'd have computer you'd have arcade you'd have and there were some kids magazines but again they were mostly computer centric mm. uh, around that time but they would cover some games as well it was very yeah, you just didn't know. Most of what you got was marketing, um, either TV commercials or like a little pamphlet or what you'd see in a store. And it wasn't even like you could try it at the store, right? You just right, yeah. They were you had to trust that that sexy realistic box art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, or yeah, you found out after the fact. I mean, like I got an ET for Christmas when it came out. I mean, it was just because there was no way to know, right? That right. was just that was the thing and. E.T. was a hit, so guess what everybody bought? They bought <laughs> E.T., because why wouldn't you, right? Yeah. Uh, or like Raiders of the Lost Ark. I was a kid. I got a Raiders of the Lost Ark game for Christmas one year. I was a kid. I'd never watched the Raiders of the Lost Ark, yeah. but my parents had, and they knew, like, oh, it was a good movie. Let's. Yeah, I'm sure it's a good game, Here, here Chris, melt some faces. Have fun. <laughs> It's funny you say that because I wonder, you know, like going into the store, it's like I know my kids like Pokemon and stuff, but like I wonder like my parents going into a store, it's like, all right, what do I get for him? And they look at the shelf and they're like, I know what Jurassic Park is. I will get him Jurassic Park for the <laughs> Genesis, you know? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, it was just, a, I think, probably a maiden event. They knew anything, mm. right? Like, because most of the games were just who knows, like space this or whatever right. that, right? I mean, they yeah. were just garbage that lined up the shelves. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was a weird time in games, but a lot of firsts. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that's the important piece to get from this. I, as we go through the other John uh, generations, you know, as we go through the series, I think it's going to be more about types of games or genre builders or... But some of these, like, major firsts you know just 
aren't going to happen again. Yeah, not until like the jump to 3D, then you got a lot of firsts again. But yeah, things kind of a lot different for next two gens. Yeah, I think that I was just going to say it's going to be quite a bit more crowded uh, in the next, uh, you know, e even just the next, um, you know, uh, series on this. But this is a terrific uh, jumping off point. So really, I mean, I knew it wouldn't be a long discussion. It's really like Bill just said, it's it's a start. And I, because obviously when we get to Gen 3, that's going to be a big, long conversation. Um, mm. Knowing this crowd and definitely Gen 4 and probably even Gen 5. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe some of the other ones we won't have such strong opinions on, but I'm sure it's going to heat up. I, I think uh, they're going to be like, very different, though. There's so many options. I don't think there's going to be two of us picking Pitfall again. Like, I think I on. think the yeah. it's going to be more varied. I think you're right. Yeah. Just as long as we all agree that uh, in Gen three, and not everybody picks Super Mario Brothers. I think. No. Uh, what? <laughs> it's just a Pitfall ripoff. Why would they pick game? that? That is. A yeah. Pitfall. Yeah. We already <laughs> mentioned Pitfall. Why would we mention it again? <laughs> That's right. It's just a Donkey Kong sequel. I already mentioned Donkey Kong. <laughs> um, but that's kind of what I would like to do this too, because I think it'll be fun for our listeners. I'd really like to hear from you all out there, either, you know, if you're, if you're on our patron, just hop into the discord and chat with us a little bit. If not, hit us up on Twitter. Um, you know, you can, yeah. you can high five me, uh, at collector cast, or, uh, you know, if you, if you think that, uh, pitfall is the right choice, you can, you can hit up bill or Kelsey. Um, or, you know, or just tell me I'm an idiot and I didn't figure it out. And you know, if this is going to be an ongoing series, it might even be worth uh, making its own channel for it in the Discord uh, for the uh, uh, influential series. So we, we might talk about doing that if there's enough interest. Mm, that's a good idea because maybe we need to create something like that so uh, we get patron fit picks. Yes. So let's yeah. do that. Ooh, that'd be okay. cool too, yeah. So for our patrons that are listening, we'll set up a channel... Uh, we'll start the Gen 2. I want you guys to start thinking about Gen 3 picks. Well, we want to know your Gen 2s. Yeah. Put them in there. But start thinking about your Gen 3 picks, and we will we'll read out patron picks uh, when we do the Gen 3 show. How's that sound, guys? I like that. Yeah, that's a good idea. And so if you guys want to be on that conversation, patreon.com slash collectorcast. You can hit us up. Um, as I just mentioned, I'm on Twitter at collectorcast. You want the show stuff. I also post the show to Facebook when it comes out. Other than that, I'll be honest, I don't Facebook. Um, so I wouldn't recommend hitting up the show over there. I will probably see it every two weeks when I post a new thing, and that's about it. Um, Bill, if, if people want to school you on magazines for Atari games, uh, where should they find you? Uh, yeah, you can send a self-addressed stamped envelope to... <laughs> He'll send you uh, your at... patch back in the mail in 60 Exactly, weeks. yeah. Yep, to uh, at uh, B-I-L-M-C-G-E-E -E on Twitter. It's the best place to grab me. And uh, if you see any uh, you know PlayStations available, uh, be sure to retweet those to me after they're already sold out, and I will click on that link and be disappointed. Sounds good. He also likes Lego, so there you go, folks. Yeah, yeah, Lego's fun. So we got, uh, uh, like I said, the, the Republic gunships coming out. We There's also a new uh, set coming out. It's like Darth Vader's, like... I forget what it's called. It's like the, oh, like the, the his like recuperation chamber. Cool. Yeah. So it's, uh, uh, that, that's a, a kind of a cool little set that uh, we might grab, be like a nice little conversation piece with like the pods, like half open. So you can see him like recovering in there. Kind of cool. Oh, are so. they going to have like the, the pale shrivelly head? 
when you when if uh, on a Vader figure, when you take the helmet off, it is like the the white you know like uh, head. So yeah, it's uh, I'll see if I can find one laying around here. I'll shoot you a picture of it later. Awesome, awesome. Um, and Kelsey, any new writing? Uh, just my Super Train fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> um, lock on. When am I gonna get my issue of Lock? On? Uh, they are coming from the print like now, like this week. So they should be shipping out like by the end of the week, I think. So end of July, they should be in the mail on their way to you. Cool. So if somebody that didn't get it on the Kickstarter, though, and they still want an issue, can they still buy one? I think they overprinted a bunch for that specific uh, reason. So they can sell a bunch of extras uh, beyond what they got through the Kickstarter. Uh, but once once those are gone, like it's a one-time printing, so they're, they're gone. Very good. Offhand, do you remember what the website is? Uh, lostincult.co.uk, I think. Yeah, very good. So, if you want to capture Kelsey's writing before uh, Lock On Two uh, is becomes a thing, um, go buy your issue now. I'm waiting for mine so I can read the article and look at the art and and appreciate it. So, very good. Well, uh, everybody, start thinking about your Gen Threes. Uh, we'll be back soon, also, to start talking about some ME Three, and uh, and we'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>